Listening Dog Media. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. The Rugby Podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. Hello and welcome to the final Six Nations episode of Rocket with me, Kieran Bracken, and my co-host, Nick Easter. So I don't know how you feel about this uh, coronavirus, having I got a tube in, you know, no face mask, not touching anything, all real worry. But I tell you what, this weekend, I, I really did miss my sport. I missed watching football, watching a bit of rugby. It feels like a real void in my life. I know I know it's more important things happen, people dropping dead, but it felt really weird this weekend. Yeah, who was it? It was the coach. I think he was American football coach. I think it was Vince Lombardi. He said, yeah. sport's not a matter of life and death. It's more important than yeah. that, he said. <laughs> but of course, it's, it's not more important than life and death. But everyone's got their drug. And it seems, you know, us sports lovers, uh, that's what it is for us. And I felt exactly the same as you, Brax. What do you do on a Saturday? However, there's a blessing in disguise. As they say, in crisis, there is opportunity. Okay. And this weekend, I'm going to go down to my local club that I used to coach, Wimbledon and go and support them and I think uh, it's a great opportunity as long as those games are still on of course you know you wouldn't put them in the category of mass gatherings that uh, your local amateur club um, go down support it remember what grassroots rugby amateur rugby is about go and spend a bit of money behind the bar you know buy, buy you know buy a few burgers or whatever it might be help support you know the, the rugby club and uh, you know take the family down enjoy sort of watching at pitch side again and amateur rugby which we all know we, we loved as as yeah. kids and sort of cults and what have you and takes you back a little bit and sometimes you know professional sport can be a little bit homogenous repetitive can't it you, you sort of know the result before it's been dealt out there but this is a little bit more human here's, and, here's uh, the thing though and, and, I, and I think that's what people should be doing yeah. getting out, if you're allowed to get out and about well, that's the thing, Saturday, you see, not a it, lockdown of there course there does seem to be so many different channels of opinion from the government or from the scientists and you know you, you're watching it so it feels like Brexit all over again for something else and you're sort of watching and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing now obviously I, I've got elder parents and I've told them to self-isolate they live in Jersey my in-laws the same you know not wanted to mix I suppose with us and the grandkids and so the question is is you know will that game be on will people go to that you know down down and watch that rugby will will rugby matches be allowed to continue with all the contact um it just seems it seems I suppose this this air of uncertainty as to knowing what you should and shouldn't well, I do. Well, I mean, if you listen to the experts, I mean, it is quite sort of paradoxical a lot of the stuff that's coming coming out. But uh, one of the one of the suggestions was that mass gatherings aren't as big a problem as people think. People assume, you know, mass gatherings you're going to spread the infection. This isn't me talking. This is just yeah. you know one of one of the statements that's come out. It's more that obviously you're going to be using up the emergency services, you know, a football game of 40,000 or, you know, Harlequin uh, yeah. Saracens, yeah, 12,000 yeah. people. Mm. Whereas at your local rugby club, football club, whatever it is, you're, you're, going to ha you're not going to have those guys there. You know, it might be just volunteers, St John's Ambulance, uh, you know, at most. Um, so, you know, the, all those emergency services will be used in combating, you know, what is, you know, we're, we're trying to fight off and get back to some sort of normality. And here's the thing, though, uh, the consequences in sport, certainly you see in the Premiership in football, are absolutely massive. I mean, my team is Liverpool, and uh, when you hear Piers Morgan, who's an Arsenal supporter, <laughs> wanted to cancel the season, I'm thinking, no, just give it one more week, we've got a couple of games, and then Liverpool know, can maybe, win it. Maybe. But the, the consequences... Maybe my team's Leeds. Oh, oh, Think God. about it. Oh. Leeds and West Brom, nine games from promotion. 
I mean, Karen Brady came out uh, and and said uh, and said they think they should cancel the season, which is all very very convenient for West Ham. Uh, but but uh, yeah, the, le- I mean, the legal ramifications. Oh, I know, I know people. Oh, it forced me. You you know out of your yeah. control, sort of things. But broadcasters come in as well. You know, you're meant to provide so many. You know, 128 Premier League games and yeah. you know BT Sport with a rugby Premiership and what have you, and things like that. And, that could all get very, very messy, and you sort of think, well, you know what? For the, you know, let's be decent human beings here. Whatever yeah. the decision's made, I think everyone's just got to go ahead with it. But it, but it is the ramifications. We we're talking about it earlier. Imagine you're a player for a side facing relegation, yeah. and your contract's up at the end of June, yeah. and the season gets postponed, and you're wanting to continue to play in July and August. But then, hold on, your new club wants you. Um, say you have your new clubs in France. Yeah. You know, and their league season has been cancelled and they're carrying on with their season. They want you there. I mean, can you imagine the tug of war there and what you'd be demanding of your club if you're still going to try and avoid relegation or get promotion or whatever it might be? Well, um, here's the thing in rugby, it's slightly different, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the thing is... Well, Saracens yeah. have been relegated. Well, 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 I think we so should... So we know re- that No, now. no, I so, think we so should... That's, that's no, simplified that No, issue. we should rethink that now. This, this no, 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 they've been relegated. That was great foresight, that, from uh, Premier Rugby. Well done. Was they obviously it? saw something... Well, let's just coming. say, we know he's getting relegated and therefore are the, are the rest of the games, you know, meaningful. And some people say, I think Will Greenwood has come out and said what we should do is the top four at the moment should be the top four now. And then we should have the promotion relegation uh, with Newcastle coming up and that's it the end of story but there's a lot of money to be lost mate, I, don't, I don't agree with that mate if you can't no, fulfil the fixtures then how can you be handing out winners and losers I think that's a load of rubbish because sometimes yeah. the, you know momentum the runner games who you've got at home coming up yeah. you know you might have targeted those games as, as a club yeah. you might get players back from injury that have been out with injuries other people might suffer from them and that is the beauty of sport and over the whole season and when you have the playoffs so the so, answer what's the answer though the answer is you can't play it you can't play it in September October closed doors mate behind closed doors you fulfil the fixtures yeah. No one can have any argument yeah, well, that's about no that. Argument. And then, um, yeah. you, can, you can probably broadcast it, get three people down with a camera. I was supposed to be flying over. I booked flights to go over and book my ticket to watch uh, to watch Saracens uh, against Leinster in a couple of weekends' time. So that's been postponed or cancelled or whatever. So, well, I, you know, we'll find out when that game's going to be, but it will be at some stage. But like, maybe what you say is is right. Maybe we just go behind closed doors and they've got it. They've got it you know take it in their pocket and lose that revenue that they would have gotten but at least then the games are fulfilled well, I, I mean Liverpool, some of the Liverpool some of the revenue you know we're, we're not businessmen we're not no. we're, you know we, no. we don't work for any of these bodies or anything but if you think about it you go okay so some people are pulling their sky subscription now sky sports subscription yeah. particularly because they're not going to get any games well if actually you are able to broadcast them in any which way behind closed doors whatever that yeah. means but you can broadcast it or put it on streaming or whatever it is then surely that keeps those subscriptions there so there is a little bit of money still there. And people still get their hit, even if they're watching at home in their armchair, of watching their team. And there aren't these discussions, these debates. And then legally, actually, it tidies everything up a little bit more. Can you play behind closed doors if one or two of the players are getting it? That's the other thing. What about health and safety? Well, I think that's, that, that's probably... I don't know whether it's in the thinking, but I think, right, well, if, you, if you're postponing anything for a month now or four weeks, mm. whatever it is, and everyone's in self-isolation and they come in they get tested and it's like you're still in self-isolation for the rest of the season whatever the government deems necessary Mm. or or, you know the health experts around the world 
Um, but you come in and any sign of a symptom, you're away and then you go back in self-isolation. That's going to have to be very protected. You're absolutely right. Staff, players, all of, the, all of those referees as well. If you say we're playing behind closed doors, you're going to have to literally, by the letter of the law, make sure that you are on lockdown, so to speak, yeah. to be able to fulfil this. And it's just, look, it's just a bump in a road of... You know this generation's life lifetime really, and uh, you know we've got to tackle this in the best way possible. But we're clearly talking about from a sports point of view. Yeah, yeah, and it's not quite life and death. But as we say, we miss it. Yeah, we miss it. A weekend of no sport felt very, very sort of hollow. Um, But the news came out obviously of the the bans, and 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 bizarrely, you know, you look at the incidents over last weekend uh, with with the with Manu Tulangi with the high tackle on George North. He got sent off. He's got um, he got four weeks. Then Mohammed House punching <laughs> uh, punching the Scots. Jamie he got three weeks, and then bizarrely, yeah, I, think he, I think he got let off because he had old, well because he had old feather dusters on, didn't he? <laughs> oh, it was it was more of a punched little, him and just then tickled him up the nostril, and and then we have Joe Marler getting ten weeks for what for him was a joke. Now I understand, and, and I tweeted this. I kind of felt a ban should have been on the cards, but. But ten weeks, and then you compare it to someone who's who's willfully decided to go out and punch someone in the face, just clearly ABH, and uh, and yet one bloke does a bit of a joke, and I think he's just been made an example of Joe Marler, hasn't he? He, he has been made an example of, and uh, yeah, I think he's a ridiculous ban. I think he did need a ban. Um, look, why did he need a ban? Do I think because you don't want that sort of thing going in the game? But I'll address that in a minute, and uh, the, the provocation as well. Mm. Uh, you know. I don't think he was actually... I think it was more of a friendly um, tickle-tackle, if you like. You were calling it a fluff-gate or something. A bit of a fluff-gate, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he was a bit more friendly in trying to wind him up, but uh, something that does annoy me in rugby is the provocateurs, or whatever the word is, the provocators, don't get sanctioned as much as the people that retaliate, and they get away with it. 95% of the time, they get away with it, the five percent of the time is brought to the TMO or citing commissioners' attention. The retaliators still get a worse ban. And what would you? The thing is, what would you say to the referee if it happened? I, I I had a funny incident. I was playing, uh, I was playing for Bristol University um, against Loughborough, and they had fantastic players like uh, Tony Diprose and Richard Hill, and then they had uh, the likes of Derwin Jones. Remember him, six foot. 10 yep. lock and um, I had, we had a great uh, lock in our team Grant Bullstrow good friend of mine and 10 minutes into the game he was losing every line out so what he decided to do he leaned, leaned over and gave him a big kiss on the lips right and this Derwin Jones just went absolutely nuts right a big fight breakout. he goes up to the ref and he goes well how did this all start and he goes ref ref he, he kissed me <laughs> And everyone just, you know, everyone just broke around and laughing. But I tell you what, he, he got carded. And, yeah, you've uh, seen that a few times with the front rowers, haven't you? Um, no kissing. There's no kissing. Like I mean, that, a few it? times. Maybe, really? Yeah, being in teams, same thing like that. Just give them a little peck just to get under their skin. <laughs> Look, that's part and parcel of it, I suppose. Um, the argument they try and put forward is we don't want this going on at yeah. rugby and, and what have you. And, you know, you, you've got people tweeting in and, and the problem with social media now is everyone's got an opinion which you never heard before but I suppose that can be a good some funny, thing funny memes it can be a good there. thing some funny memes out there they're saying now you know because you, you, you notice a lot of these people are now greeting each other with uh, with the elbow or the, or the leg shake and now people are saying you should do the Joe Marler that's yeah, how you Joe should Marler <laughs> <greeting>. <laughs> Joe Marler greeting Joe Marler greeting I did text us at least you've got a unique after dinner story now that you can uh, go to town on which you quite <laughs> enjoy using his 10 weeks off yeah well he can't go away anywhere can he but 
Where does it? So where does people, it leave? I've just come back to that point. Is people say, "Oh, well, we don't want them doing this in mini rugby," and you know, yeah. the girls and boys are playing with each other. And it's like, well, okay, look, I understand that that yeah. thinking behind it. But actually, I remember the famous game when um, Mendes knocked out Paul Ackford, one of the mm. best punches you've ever seen on a rugby yeah. game. Right? And, and one of the most amusing moments watching Paul Ackford, like Bambi on ice, try and walk off the field. I turned up to my mini rugby club the next day. We didn't go around trying to punch people. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know what I mean we, we didn't go around trying to punch people in the face yeah. sometimes I think people get a little bit carried away in the away work environment it was just so inappropriate I just thought it was so inappropriate and it, you know you and I can look at it I thought it was quite funny it's kind of funny but when people start relating it to the workplace you just think oh come on yeah. you know it's uh, but let, well let's just uh, before I mean look a, but a the Manu things, band I think the Manu band is just as bad I'm I, I, not the sure four, how he, he got sent it, off. I think red card sufficient. Yes. He lost the player for five minutes. Um, so what's you know, There was no that? malice or intent. He actually the body height was fine. He just didn't lead his arm. It, we spoke about this last week. Yeah, but and he gets four weeks. But that's the thing. I wonder if it was the same disciplinary hearing. I presume it would have been. And how can they walk out there and think, okay, Joe Joe Marler, ten weeks, a high tackle where there's you know to some extent non-intent it was a mistake and it was circumstance where he was falling to the ground and then they say a punch to the face well that's all right three right, weeks Bundyaki yeah in the World Cup do you remember where I think it was a Samoan player oh yeah high ducked time. last minute yes but he was nowhere near as low as um, Manu was yeah got a three week ban sent off and a three week ban oh the world's gone mad isn't it mm. so before we talk about who we think was the team of the tournament I know it's not quite finished yet and we still got matches to play before we do that let's just have a, a very quick review to see where the teams are at the moment in the Six Nations and see maybe where they'll end up Rocket Six Nations Special okay so you know we've had enough about uh, the coronavirus and the bands let's talk or just round up the rugby really from the Six Nations uh, a strange old Six Nations for a lot of reasons one you know, the main one obviously being the fact that it's not yet completed. But uh, we'll just do a quick round-up, I think, of each team um, before we move on to try the tournament, team of the tournament, player of the tournament, that sort of stuff. Uh, and where you think they are, you know, from going into the tournament, where they are now, sort of three or four games. I think that's the maximum and the number that each team played, but sort of three, four games further down the track. You know, three new coaches there as well. Well, thankfully, Scotland opened everything up for us, for the Six Nations, who might end up being the winner and it's opened up so much so that England seem to be in the driving seat really they've got one game against Italy likely to get a bonus point in that um, but obviously we do know that uh, that Ireland have a chance if they beat if they beat France to get a bonus point and then the last game is against Italy they get, they get a bonus point So, but England will be pleased with the you know the disappointment of the World Cup and then the first game against France where Eddie Jones promised to be brutal and basically ate his own words I think England can be pleased that they've had that you know bounce back the way they played against Ireland was outstanding uh, the, the Scotland game we could write off because it was it was an awful awful conditions and then against Wales they were always dominant and you know you can see when players like Manu are playing you know yes we are possibly missing the likes of Billy Vanapola the you know ex- the experiment with with um Curry seems to be working at the moment and they can be quite pleased at the moment they, they can be sort of pleased themselves to be almost in the driving seat to win the Six Nations and gain Eddie Jones a new contract even though he happily says it was 16 against 13 and gets away with it yeah yeah, he just got a rap on the knuckles didn't he Look, they'll be pleased with the last two games but uh, I think they would have targeted Grand Slam your World Cup finalists um, they were brilliant at the World Cup um, 
and uh, that that first game will really irk them. But look, this side continues to learn, doesn't it? And mm. what, what I enjoyed is we spoke, didn't we, at the beginning of this sort of podcast before the Six Nations? What, where do we? What do England need to improve? From from my point of view, it was their ability to adapt on the field as players, not coaches radioing something down as players. The situation, mm. how to get momentum back. I thought Scotland game showed how they adapt to the conditions. Yes, they knew what the conditions were before kickoff, but I think they adapted to the conditions very, very well. Um, and I actually thought Wales, when they got back into the game, and I know they weren't behind on the scoreboard or under the cosh from a, a rugby point of view. They found a way, but, England. But when yeah. Wales scored, well, I'm going to give it away now, my try of tournament, yeah. Justin Tipperick's, at the start of the second half, they got their tails up, they got back in, penalty Courtney Laws for holding on, um, Jake Ball was holding on and then a penalty at the next scrum just so that's immediately you know seven points you've wiped off six of them by mm-hmm. coming back so they you know and they spoke about it under the post they're very calm very composed they knew mm-hmm. what to do they've been this scenario in training before and that's little green shoots green shoots in terms of that part of their game so I, I was pleased to see that um on to France. Yeah, France. I mean, I'm so are glad. That are they back? Are they really are they back? back? You know, the, 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 the Sean Edwards effect was certainly great in the first few games, but the typical DNA of France, when you get in, into them, you, you make life hard for them, you make it scrappy, and Scotland did everything so right in that game against the French, and they just didn't know how to respond. I think losing Entomac was big for them, and I think they just went, they compounded mistake after mistake, and it proves with these young players, that they're going to need either some experience or they're going to need to learn quickly and they had a golden opportunity to win a Grand Slam and you know I think the old remnants of the old team are still there and they're going to have to get rid of them very quickly Um, Agreed Um, you know you don't fix something that's broken for 10 years overnight Um, but I think the fact that they are a young group youthful group they've got good Mm. coaching staff there as well Um, they, they need to learn these lessons I think a Grand Slam might not have been the best if you think maybe you know you put your coaching hat on you think well actually would that have been the best thing for them because they might have been overconfident for the next two seasons and lost out on any sort of growth or learning they've got to do um, I don't know where they tour where do they tour this year no idea I don't know where do they tour um, but uh, you know they can well if they tour of course mm. you know they'll probably be off as well but uh, <laughs> I thought you know the performance against England gave them real belief um, they'll learn from that Scotland performance certainly from an yeah. emotional point of view and also defensively um, some of the decision making they're still getting used to Sean Edwards' defensive system um, but what they've got there is real grit and I think conditioning wise they've improved they're still not where they need to be No, but I think they have improved and whereas got, the old France fell away and they've Half got an some real X-factor players haven't they I mean the halfback pair again to Matt Dupont absolutely outstanding and let's not forget we hardly saw Fakatawa yeah. in Six Nations he was quite quiet well. wasn't he he was quiet you know, he didn't get the, the ball he was probably hoping for um so, 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 they, they, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy that France have come to the table um, again. So, so, so in no particular order, let's talk about Wales. Um, you know, three losses on the trot now. Wayne Pavak trying to play a certain style of rugby, and we've seen that. And I think, I think their game against Italy may be flattered where they were. Um, a very experienced team. You know, they look like they need some changes, certainly up front. They've got some nice players. I mean, Nick Tompkins, I thought, had an outstanding tournament. I know he made a couple of errors, but do you know what? You know, first tournament, great to have him playing so well and in there. And uh, But I think they need some changes up front. They need to check, you know, their scrum needs to start dominating. Need to get front row, mate. Need yeah. to get front row. You, you can't do anything in rugby without that. Foundations of your defence, your kicking game, your set piece, yeah. don't get lost at the highest level. Um 
and they desperately need to find some props because I, I like you know we spoke about it last week Nick T- Nick Tompkins is you know he's a real pivot type type player isn't he? Mm. Not sure he would have got so much game time under Gatland, no. um, but with the width he's trying to put on the ball. I still don't think Hadley Parks is the answer for them at 12. I th- no. I don't think he's a distributor. I don't think he's got a kicking game. You know, no. the style of play he's trying to play. And I know Jonathan Davis injured. Scott Williams has been off form for a little bit. You know, they have got centres there. Mm. Um, but I like what he's doing. I think it's yeah. quite clear that the expectation, I don't think, was on them, really, because they knew that the Gatland era was a special time and mm. things had to change. You had to blood some new players. Um uh, again, if the tour is on, they go down to New Zealand. Oh, I'll tell you what, that, that'll be a tri-fest. It will <laughs> be, know, Whatever the results and the scorelines might yeah. be, I think there'll be some great rugby played in there. And what better way to learn? Again, I think he would have liked that. You go, you know what, first tour in New Zealand, three tests. Mm. Perfect to see where these guys are at. So let's move on to Scotland. And Scotland, flatters to deceive, really. I mean, who you know, if... Stuart Hogg has been outstanding and awful in the same time in the Six Nations. It, you know, could they, should they have won that game against Ireland if he, if he, if he actually got that down and scored the try? That that little hiccup with the kick through, George Ford with the kick through, and uh, he sort of gave away a try against there. England, but, yeah. yeah, but 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 actually managed to come back, and they were waiting for this big scalp because they didn't play that badly in their games, did they? They didn't lose badly against England. They didn't lose badly against um, against Ireland. And, and so it was always on the cards. I, mean, I put a bet with a couple of mates that Scotland would beat France because I, I knew it. they had it in them. And they proved what a good group of players, and even without the likes of Finn Russell playing for them, and he's going to come back hopefully and I, and this I, summer. And I think they might well have beaten Wales this weekend. If again, yeah. But we'll never know. But momentum's huge. You hear yeah. about people that win Six Nations and Grand Slams about how momentum's important. Well, we lost it in the foot and mouth. We came back, well, played you Ireland. Lost it. Well, yeah. you had Jono and Delalia were out. Those are two big players, weren't they? For mm-hmm. that, you lost those leaders at that time as well. But um, look, so. I, I think I think Scotland are very very comfortable. We said it last week again. We'll cover it very quickly. Their defence has been a massive improvement. Steve yeah. Tandy coming in there. Um, you know they would leak tries from front they were very very soft they weren't this Six Nations um, comfortably the best defence thing for a points difference scrum point quite good as well surprise me Rory yeah. Sutherland he's, yeah. uh, he's my loose prop for the uh, for the tournament absolutely yeah. outstanding absolute yeah. animal brilliant brilliant player very humble guy real find um, they were good uh, so we've got Ireland under Andy Farrell so sort of apprentice turns master if you like um, waiting in the wings you heard a lot of sounds didn't you before the England game about how the environment's different it was very controlling environment very Mm. sort of autocratic under Joe Schmidt this is a little bit more um, you know they've empowered the players Uh, it's a little bit of a happy everyone's got a smile on their face easy to say after two wins yeah and then they played England you haven't heard so much about it but look the back, the back three look very exciting. That, that's the one, you know, the few changes that they've got, I think, look very exciting, trying to move the ball and they're keeping the ball in hand and they're, they're very predictable in the World Cup, one-out rugby, which is, you know, they, they're a skilled nation and they should use the ball a lot more. But again, you know, the question is, you've got Sexton, who's the main man, the captain, you know, how long has he got? He's 34 now. Is he going to get to the next World Cup? Do they need some changes there? We we expected Conor Murray maybe on his way out, and you know uh, Cooney coming in, and so there's going to be changes, but but they do look like a side who can challenge. I mean, you, you know, in the European, they're they're pretty strong, aren't they? As, as um, you know, as all of the provinces are doing very well, so so they've got they've got sort of good players coming through. The question is, is do they have the right coaching and the mentality to win these big games? Well, you talk about coaching. What's interesting is England have a blend. 
in terms of they've got a South African forwards coach, Kiwi defence coach, Eddie Jones, Australian, a head coach and an English attack coach. Steve Tandy coming in from Wales with his experiences down in the Waratahs for Scotland. Scotland mm. also have Peter de Villiers, who's a South African, who's coached France and played for France as well as a scrum coach. So they've got a nice blend there with new ideas. We spoke about this. Ireland, Mike Cat and Andy Farrell have been in the English game or with yep. Ireland. I think that really helps create an identity of where you actually want to go and you're absolutely clear about where you want to go. And I like... Ireland knew they had to do something about their attack. Their attack was just so dull, as you mentioned. And mm. they are starting to move the ball a little bit more. Probably not effectively, though. Um, they do, I 100% agree, they need to find you know the next 9 and 10. I think by this time next year, you know, keep some senior players in there just for a smooth transition and to pass on any knowledge. You know, someone mm. like Johnny Sexton, <laughs> world-class player. Um, you know, he, he's played in massive, massive games to pass on that knowledge and information and IP to, to the group and certainly to his understudy or whoever the future might be. I understand that to make the transition smooth, but I think by the next Six Nations, Ireland need a new number 10 and a new number 9. I think you're right. And finally, Italy. They've, uh, I suppose, the highlight for them was the game against France, looked quite dangerous, scored three tries, you know, and maybe they're in a transition, they're rebuilding, and they need to change the way they play. And, uh, you know, they look dangerous, got some lovely players. I like their, um, is it Manazzi, the wing, he's pretty, pretty dangerous. But they, they'll be sort of, I suppose, they, you know, for them, it's just about getting that one win, isn't it, to prove that they should be in the Six Nations. And it does seem to get farther and farther away. Yeah, but I, you know, you look. It's easy just to look at the outcome and see they got they got nilled twice, didn't they? Scotland mm. and Wales. But actually, the product of what they're producing is really, really good. It's their final third, and when they're in a the mm. twenty-two, they're just coughing up the ball. They're not quite executing that two on one or three on two or whatever it might be. And mm. Franco Schmidt, I hope he stays in a job. He's a very attack-minded coach. Um, Italy need that. They need to improve their skill level. They do mm. need to find a bit of X factor in the back, certainly as well. Um, kick him out of tournament no because there's no better option I'm afraid and I think as we said this before what happened is they had a barren period because basically the people up top rested on their laurels of the Castro Giovanni's and Parise's coming through and thought Italian rugby was fine instead of trying to grow it and that's why they found themselves in a pickle over the last four years and I think they've got some good players you mentioned Manozzi Pedri Cici Zani guys like that yeah you know, you stick him in another international team, they'll probably be man of the match sort of a third of the time. So, just um, to, just to, so go on. So, just to finish off though, if you were to predict now, who is going to be the winner of the Six Nations? Right, you've got five quid to bet. That's it. This who, year, yeah. Th- this year. This, this, this Six Nations is going to be played at some stage, isn't it? They're not going to leave it and just uh, and then start again. It's going to be played. So, is it? Got, well, is it, it will really? be. I think it will be. It could be sport could be cancelled for a year. Okay, let's presume just for the podcast <laughs> that it's playing in four months' time. Hypothetically, hypothetically, I'm going to say. Oh, England win! I'm going to say Ireland. Uh, Ireland are going to go to France and beat Ireland, beat, uh, beat France, Ireland, beat, beat Ireland. They're going to beat France and they're going to beat Italy <laughs> and get the bonus point. Yeah, but points difference favours us. But no, we win on points. No, but they, they've got to get the bonus point against yes. France. Yes. They won't score four tries against France. Yeah, well, you'd be France. surprised. Okay. All right. I will be surprised if scored one against Scotland at home. <laughs> okay, well, a f- fiver, yeah? We'll, f- we'll do a fiver. We'll five. never remember this because we can't even remember what our prediction is. No, exactly. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. Hello, Ben Cohen. How you doing? It's Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter from Rocket. Are you all right? I'm not. doing some last-minute shopping. You do some... <laughs> what, toilet roll? <laughs> toilet roll. No, 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 that's... 
So it's mad at the moment. I mean, you know, panic buying, no one knows what to do. Has it affected your life? Um, yeah, I think it's affected everybody's life, hasn't it? You know, you've got planned work-wise, business, everything. You're missing it's, out on a few uh, gigs yeah, like nice. myself and uh, Nick Easter. We've had a few cancel on us. That's a bit disappointing, but... But hopefully they'll be postponed and they'll want us back when it's all uh, said and done. But just we're just uh, closing out on our podcast on, on the rugby and, and what we've seen and talking about all the nations. But in particular with your your history, you know, third top try scorer for England, World Cup winner, looking at the back three at the moment with England, who would you be your favourite? Now, I know you know more about George Furbank from Northampton. He, he had a couple of games and poor guy did never had the conditions or opportunity to play but you got daily watson may what 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 who would be your best back three at the moment uh well first i think i'm joint second actually oh you joint second um, he's never he's yeah. never he's never done his research properly on this come on i'm looking at i'm looking at matt jones <laughs> you, matt, matt jones told me it was it was third is that right matt uh, he did he oh, said yeah. he said you were behind Hang josh lucy and um <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the hilarious thing is? I could say about that. The best, yeah, exactly. Yes, the best, yeah, yeah. The best part of that is Matt. Matt Jones looks after you, your agent, and he thinks you're the third, which is hilarious. Matt, he's that might, that, mate. He could get you some more gigs, make up for the ones you're losing out on. Actually, <laughs> yeah, Se- seconds a lot more, a lot more appealing. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> it is a good thing. Yeah, but if you're not first, it doesn't really matter about the rest. Um, what do I think of that back three? I, do you know what? When when Johnny May burst onto the scene, I thought, you know, he's a bit of rabbit in headlights. He wasn't really necessarily finding his way going forward. He would generally run across the pitch. But now he's turned into one phenomenal player over the last few seasons. And I would say that someone who, who would be on my uh, top of the list is on, on the wing. Um, Elliot Daly, um, I, I like him. At, I like him at full back or all wings. They both got uh, pace to burn, uh, and and good to have uh, Anthony Watson back. And I thought that um, he scored a great try at the weekend against Wales last week or a couple of weeks. He's got back. great footwork. Uh, I mean, do you think that that's our best back three combination? Do you think Eddie's got that right? 100%. I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it earlier. Elliot Daly gives you the, you know, the playmaking, the footballing ability, but also that extra pace, um, which makes life so dangerous for the opposition, you know, certainly when they're on the kick chase. Um, what do you think your, well, your old club, so he's not an ex-teammate, but he's at your old club, Northampton, George Furbank. I think he's a little bit unlucky, isn't he? He sort of plays against France when it's, you know, a little bit, little bit wet, a little bit, you know, spitting sort of rain, and England are on the back foot all the time. That's his sort of test debut. Um, fine, you know, baptism of fire. You know, you've got a sink or swim. Probably better to have that sort of game on the front foot. Then he, then he plays in the worst conditions I've ever seen in an international game. I was there at Murrayfield, and then when it's a nice sort of dry, sunnyish day at Twickenham, and England have got their tails up and they find a bit of form, he's uh, cast aside. I don't think that's a coincidence, but, do you, you know, do you hope that Eddie brings him back into the fold, you know, once, you know, games are allowed to be played again? Um, I think that the year after World Cup, you've got to try players out, for, for sure. And I think it's not necessarily a three-roll of the dice, but it gives you the opportunity to see who you're going to keep for the next World Cup, who you're going to bleed through, and, uh, you know, what's the possibilities in a couple of years' time. Um, I actually think that he's had great experience for the first two games. I think England have lost their way a little bit. 
um, you know, a bit of a hangover over, over the losing the World Cup final, and and to bring in um, uh, back to you know to their, their kind of strongest factory was um, would have been my shout if I if I was manager um, at home. Let's get a win. Um, let's get a bit of stability back, and um, and let's breed this competition for places. Um, I mean, you've already said it yourself. If, you, if it's your best back three, why why would you want to split them up when they could all be back together? Um, and then build from there, you know. And, and that's what they did with the likes of. You know, we go back to to, to our day, KB. When you, yeah. know, you look at uh, Matt Perry, like thirty six or something caps on the bounce, yeah. England. Yeah, exactly. and uh, and then and then came in uh, Jason Robinson, and they bleeded in a couple of games where they're going to put him on the wheel, full back, and then and suddenly it was a permanent fixture. Um, so look, I mean, they've got plenty of time, and, and I, I I don't mean it's irrelevant in this way, but it, in this Six Nations, for me, for any country uh, that are involved in Six Nations, they have to try out a combination, have to uh, look at players that they can be in, in different positions or out of their comfort zone. How they're going to perform somewhere, and I think that this Six Nations is something to to to, to, to I, do that. I think you're right. I mean, I was surprised that Eddie Jones didn't try. You know, new scrum halves coming through. I think he had a free pass after the World Cup final uh, to try new people out, and he didn't. He, he picked pretty much the same team. But my my, my last question really is, you, you know, you might you might have been pleased that they didn't win the World Cup because it gives you a bit more work for four years but but let's look ahead do you think this this group of players you're just saying that at me you're just saying that at me David you're in the same boat not at all mate not at all no just uh, just the last question I suppose is do you think this England team can go on and win the World Cup in in um, and you know in France in 2023 uh, do they have it in them to do it and do they have the right coach in Eddie Jones it's a lot can happen in four years mm-hmm. I think that's a big statement to make now uh, I, without question they have the pool of players right they've got depth yeah. here in, in, in England within within the league it's how they nurture that and, and how they bring those players on and how they don't burn them out and how they look after them because we don't get looked after and if we're really honest if you're an international player you have no rest you're yeah. on that treadmill and, and if we can look after their players and keep the appetite for, for, for the game, whether it be fitness, whether it be learning new skills, and, and, and less, say less game time instead of hitting 25, 30 games a year. Um, I think you've got players that potentially could go on and, uh, and perform well in the World Cup. But it's not necessarily just uh, about looking at skill set or fitness. It's in between the years. It's the top two inches. And we saw that you know, from the semi-final and the final in the World Cup. You know, sometimes you can be underperform. And, and win a World Cup, but you mentally there. And um, if England don't have that mental approach right, then it doesn't matter what skill set or fitness they, they have in the bank, it, uh, it's going to be irrelevant. Excellent points, mate. Ben, um, I can hear your tummy rumbling, mate. I think you need to uh, maybe get on the bog and use some of that toilet paper. Uh, mate, great great to hear from you. Um, some really good insight there as well. And Stay safe, mate. Stay healthy. And now your agent knows yeah. that you are second most top try scorer. And, and stay third. in work. And stay, and in, stay work. in work. Not for long, though. Not for long. I think Johnny May is going to surpass that very quickly. Good man. Thanks Cheers. very much, Ben. Okay. Good to hear from Thanks you. Cheers. Cheers. Speak soon. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye, bye. Rock It with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. The brand new rugby podcast. Standout moment of the tournament. 
or moments? I think we've got to discuss more than one, really. Well, a standout, it depends. I mean, the Joe Marler moment is a standout, which we don't really want to talk about because that what that was... Uh, that was well, the, weather, the weather in Scotland never come no, across No, that was like just that unbelievable, before. wasn't it? Ellis Genge's interview was interesting as well. I'll yeah, tell you what, call I mean, me sausages. You, you, I mate, did you like can't, that. You, you can't say there's no characters in the game. Certainly, loose air prop yeah. for England. That's <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. So, what, what was your standout moment? I, the, the, I think the, the try of the tournament we've already given it away was was in the start of the second half, uh, England against Wales, and uh, it went from it went from within their own twenty-two off the was it off the kickoff because I was yeah. actually inside having Same a pint. Here, I didn't yeah. even and I no, couldn't I believe it. it yeah. and I, I saw I saw I saw a replay. Of it. I thought, what a try! I mean, it had everything. So Tomkins that, in the middle of it as well. Yeah. So try the tournament that one. So moment of the tournament for you then? Where, where is the moment? What is the moment? Well. It wasn't a high standard of Six Nations, in all fairness, when you look at it. Um, you sort of compare it to the Johnny Sexton drop goal, do you remember, two years yeah. ago against France, you know, the way England have played in some of them. And England beat Ireland because Ireland couldn't deal with a couple of kick-throughs, if you remember. Yeah. And we had that atrocious weather in Scotland, which was good in some ways, but other ways it did sort of, you know, excuse the pun, dampen the contest. You think it's been an average tournament? I think it's been quite an average tournament. Actually, there hasn't been that great a standout moment. Um, from my point of view, the try, you say Justin Tipperick. So why, why have you come Stuart up with, Hulk. why do you want to do a, a standout you have, moment? You've written it down on a piece of paper, I... given it to me before we walked in. <laughs> standout moment. Oh, brilliant. Oh, uh, I'll tell you what, let's go. go. Eddie Jones. Eddie oh. Jones in the media. Love it. Absolutely love it. Interesting, I, keeps everyone talking. I get keeps wound on their toes. up. No, I get wound up. I know up. you do, but I like it. I get wound up when he starts saying 16 against 13. I just think it's right, player of the wrong. tournament. Then we move on. Player, Play, player of the tournament. Well, I think we're a, unified, a, well, here, aren't we? Well, well, yes and no. I mean, we both sort of intimated that Dupont has been outstanding. Apart from the last game, mate, you, he had a chance to change the course of that game. Hold on, mate. He's, that, what about yeah, a cross that, kick for the try? Okay, that Still was pretty good. Still produced the magic no, no, that, in the no, game no, that when he's off colour and his yeah, team. Yeah, that colour. was pretty good. It was pretty good. He's gone from he's gone from being a very good international to being a, a super X factor player for France. I think. I think. Yeah. I mean, although I would say another player who's. I mean, Nick Tompkins has been good. I know he's made a couple of errors, but Maratoji and I don't know how he gets away with it, but he's been very influential with England. Um, maybe Manu Tulangi's played pretty well as well. But but yeah, stand out player would be Dupont the French knight yeah I, I agree with that um, the, the French when they're at their best the Petit General as you would know you come across plenty of them it's always the number nine they found an absolute superstar from this guy and I always think you judge a player actually when things aren't going so well and I thought in a substandard France performance last week even though they got to him a little bit you know yeah. it's always nip and tuck around the rucks I thought the referee was dreadful there as well but he still produced moments of magic and he didn't lose his cool like a lot of them would do get frustrated um, and I think he's been sensational and the future's bright for him The brand new rugby podcast Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter So let's finish off with uh well, my, my my story of the Six Nations. Any stories that you've got, Nick? Yeah, there's always plenty of stories, isn't there? I suppose. What's the fun? So, what's the fun? But I I remember the the, the I remember the, uh, the 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 Welsh fan running into oh headbutting the bus. Yeah. So, what's the story in that? Well, the have head, you ever told that? Have we, you ever that stolen? Two, two, well, that's happened a few times. But uh, I remember 2009. That was Jono's first Six Nations, first away game, and uh, they did exactly the same. And um, so what happened? And Simon Kemp, doctor, you know, remember yes. Simon Kemp, Simon, yeah. it was his last Six Nations. And, um, you know, bearing in mind, obviously, he's head of medical and we've got doctors and physios and what have you on there because yeah. he's seeing the national team. And 
you suddenly see this guy's pouring with blood. You know, headbutted the bus, scrummed up, bound, bound up with his mate, gone for a flying headbutt in the front of the bus. Um, absolute lunatics, mate. It, it's, it's one of the great things, isn't it, when you drive in, well, we, we don't stay uh, too far, when you drive in the car to the yeah, Millennium yeah. State, it's brilliant. And when you're driving out after the game, especially if you've, well, won, you've won, you just want yeah. to get out of Dodge. And uh, he's flown in, blood pouring all over himself. He's done some serious damage to himself. And... Uh, it sort of simmered down a little bit. People around him are sort of not as drunk as they were when they were abusing us and giving us the V sign and wanker sign and what have you. And so the bus driver's opened his door and uh, the, his mate stepped out and said, look, you know, we need a bit of medical attention here. You know, is there anyone on the bus that can help? And Simon Kent's gone, looked behind him and gone, unfortunately, there's no medics at all on this bus. <laughs> like, he's shut the door and he's like... You yes, wonder that, why the Welsh hate the English. That might that might have happened in two, you say two thousand and nine. But the story I that would that story was told a long time ago before that when I was playing. And these in the amateur days. Uh, what was the stadium called then? Don't tell me Simon Kemp was your doctor. No, no, he was Simon Kemp was the doctor. This is going in the way, amateur days. Not not in the amateur days. This is this is just, it was going professional. And I remember what happened was this 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 lad runs at, runs at the bus. Wax the bus, has another run. Wax the bus, has another run. He's, he's bleeding everywhere. And uh, yes, the joke oh, is. Is this a Jason Leonard? Yeah, so the, yeah. So yeah. the story yeah. is. So they come on, this guy's knocked himself out. Is there a medic on the bus? And everyone goes, no, fuck it, he's Welsh, leave him. That's what, that's what. But then someone said, well, why was he running at the bus? And it, the bus? And it turns out he's running at the bus because Jason Leonard, who sold his tickets, had about four grand of cash and was waving these pink notes at him going wanker with all these pink notes is that was that the story you've heard no I've heard that one before yeah I've yeah. heard that one yeah. mopping Which, his brow with what, his 50 pound notes yeah whether it's true or not think, it doesn't mate, really I think matter he's probably just, just keeping them just to make sure he can get out and over the seven bridge <laughs> good times though good times yeah yeah good times mate right so team of the tournament I know it's not completed but from what we've no. seen I've done the forwards you've done the backs yeah shall I go ahead first go on so I've gone loose head prop Rory Sutherland. Already talked about him. Thought he's had yeah. a tremendous tournament. You know, there's a lot of good loose heads around. Ellis Ginge was pushing Joe Marler. Had a, an excellent tournament as well. Yeah. Um, but I thought he 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 was excellent. It'd be interesting. You know, next year with the Lions. You know, if they continue on form, those guys they got some real strength there. Um, tight head. I have gone Carl Sinclair. Um, I thought you know he d- didn't have his best game against France. Yeah. Bounced back really, really well. I think uh, you know the new the new sort of forwards coach in England, scrum coach Matt Proudfoot's done some good work mm-hmm. with him. Um, Hooker, this is an in- this is an interesting one. Hooker is I can't wait till you get to back row, mate. Oh. Contentious, well not contentious actually, but I'd like to see him start. Um, Luke Cowan Dickey. I think he's had an impact. I mean, I don't know what he's trying to score. Player of the record. tournament. He's only played 28. No, not player of the tournament. Or team, team of the, of the tournament. tournament. Mate, he's scrummaging. Yeah. His line-out throwing's improved, which is always a question mark. He gets okay. on the try. He gets on, on. I know it's easier in the last 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. I know that. I just want to see him start a game for England. But he missed, missed one of the games, didn't he? He had to go home for his, for his wife. I think it was that. So you're picking him which game he was. Bench. It was a Scotland-England game. So you're picking him from the bench. No, but, no, no, but it yeah. was a Scotland-England yeah. game. And on the bench, they had Bath Hooker. Goodness me, I've forgotten his name. Kevin Dunn. Kevin Dunn. On the yeah. bench. Yeah. Not made his debut for England. Every time Eddie likes to empty his finishers. He did not get that him day. on. No. Not that day. Poor so you've, bloke. You've got Cowan Dickey. I think he is the future. 
Oh, no, he's here and now, mate. He's here and now. I, th- I was really impressed with him around the field as well. Yeah. He's contesting at the breakdown. You know, he's a heavy hitter, good ball carrier. Second row, that's easy. That is Itoji and Bernard Larue. Back row converted. Yeah. Yeah. So Maritoji easy, but Bernard Larue, I think, has been sensational. Mm-hmm. Um, found his new position. Ryan, was he not? Um, and back row, no, Jason, no, James Ryan got absolutely schooled at Twickenham, mate. That's yeah, he did, it. Yeah. Off. Um, yeah. Back row, here's that's that's tough. Back row, um, Audrey to eight, a okay. real great feel for the game, natural number eight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hamish Watson. Hamish Watson, yeah, you've got to have him. Hamish Watson, I've got. And I've gone with. Charles Olivon for his leadership for the French at blindside flanker. Okay, good so pack. Two Frenchmen. Justin Tipperick close, to be fair to him. Yeah. I thought CJ Stanley had a good start at the tournament, not so good against England in the big one. Um, it's always a hard I think if Curry was playing position. in his right position... Yeah, he Curry might have done that, but he, he wasn't. He was playing he eight, wasn't he? So, so you remember that. We're picking players actually in the position. Oh, don't do played. it. You Is see, uh, but I'm struggling in inside centre. But it's obvious who I'm going to pick at nine. We've talked about him. Dupont, outstanding. You know, anyone close to him at the moment in the Six Nations? Nowhere near, really. Although, you know, Ben Youngs did have a good last last game or so. Uh, but no, no one's touching uh, Dupont. At fly half, it's interesting at fly half. Um, I, w- I would like to see Farrell start at fly half. I don't think he's a world-class centre. I think he's a good a good centre, but not a world-class centre. Uh, I, I know um, Ford has, has played OK, but Entomac has been the outst- outstanding player. I always feel for someone like Dan Bigger, who I think maybe if he was playing in a better team, perhaps would get more recognition and just because he's, let's say, playing for a team who've lost the last three games. But he seems a real class player. But Entomac for me has been outstanding um, here's the thing in the centres now I know we're not supposed to pick players out of position Nick Tompkins and Manu Tulangi both playing 13 I'm obviously going to pick Manu Tulangi if it was a World Cup final I'd be picking him all day long but I'm not and the thing is I want to put Tompkins in there at inside centre but you won't let me do it you won't let me do it so I'm, I'm really unsure as to who else next best Farrell certainly not um, I mean Henshaw has been alright you know mm. but you're not going to let me put Tompkins in there just well mate you can put him in there ok you thank you thank it. you thank you now so the back three is um, I think he a rapier to the bludgeon as they say <laughs> Tompkins and uh, Tuolangi so at I would say in the back three, um, I've changed this around a few times. At fullback, I've got Lama. I think he's been an outstanding candidate for Ireland. He's played really well, and especially with ball in hand. Uh, Johnny May, again, outstanding. Scored some crucial tries. It was against France with two tries. You know, man on his own. Um, but then Sean Maitland's played well for Scotland. But I'm going to go with Johnny May. And then the other wing... Yeah, the, the the little Italian Manazzi for for yeah. for, uh, for Italy has been outstanding. Some some great tries from him. So that would be my back. So let us know what you think of our team of the tournament to date. <laughs> 